Welcome to the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast, a podcast created to inform patients, families, and caregivers about important health transformation topics. Since the 2001 Crossing the Quality Chasm Report by the Institute of Medicine, our nation's healthcare system has recognized its need to improve quality of care by way of six important aims that make healthcare safe, efficient, effective, patient-centered, timely, and equitable. But we cannot hope to cross this chasm and achieve these aims until we make fundamental changes to the whole healthcare system. All levels of this work require dramatic improvements from the patient's experience. So this podcast is dedicated to you, the voices most underutilized resource in healthcare, our patients' voices. Welcome, and we hope you enjoy the Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. Hi, I'm Dr. Natasha Washington, president and founder of ATW Health Solutions and sponsor for the Patient Partner Innovation Community. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com. Well, hello, everyone, and thank you for joining Patient Partner Innovation Community Podcast. I am your host, Desiree Collins-Bradley, and as you guys know, we've been talking about our research project that's focused on stroke called Too Serious. Well, this is a continuation of that conversation. We are super delighted to have Dr. Sham Prabhakaran with us today, and he is also a part of our research project, Too Serious, and was a part of the first project, Serious One. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you very much. I'm really kind of pleased and excited to be on the, on the podcast. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, Dr. Prabhakaran, I know that you were involved in Serious One and that we know each other pretty well over this past project, but our listeners may not know you. So why don't you introduce yourself, tell them a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how you were a part of Serious One. Yeah, my pleasure. So um, I'm a uh, neurologist by training. So I'm a doctor. I specialize in neurology. And then I subspecialized in uh, vascular neurology or stroke neurology. And uh, so my expertise is in taking care of patients with stroke. And my research has always been in stroke. Um, I have been very interested in how we um, deliver health, deliver healthcare, but deliver stroke treatments to stroke patients better than we have traditionally. And much of that is centered on getting patients to the right hospitals as quickly as possible. And so uh, in my journey to try to um, uh, fulfill that vision, uh, we realized that many patients don't get into the hospital in time. And in, um, in the process of thinking about that problem, we undertook a major project called Sirius that you mentioned. Uh, and that project was focused on trying to um, engage the community, people who live in areas that are high risk for stroke and uh, discuss with them how to um, overcome some of the barriers we knew existed. Some of them were socioeconomic, some of them were related to knowledge about stroke. Some of them were fears about stroke. And we developed a program to um, uh, empower people, educate people, 
and to hopefully get more people to come into the hospital uh, by calling 911 when they think they're having a stroke. You know, and, and now that we've embarked on too serious, which is, I would say, the next phase of the research and engagement, you know, COVID has come. And so even though COVID-19 has come and kind of put a halt on face-to-face -face interactions, there's a lot of things going on in the community that people are fearful of even going into the healthcare environments because of the risk of COVID-19. So I really want you to take a few minutes and really help us to understand the connection between COVID and stroke. And also, what is the research showing? Yeah, so the, um, the connection between COVID and stroke is uh, emerging. We don't know all the story yet, but what we know is uh, several things. One is that um, we know that COVID does alter the body's uh, clotting system and uh, creates clots in people who have COVID-19 most of the time when they're very sick with COVID-19, like in the hospital. But sometimes even before they've come into the hospital with uh, respiratory symptoms, they might have clotting symptoms and stroke could be one of those symptoms. We also know that um, COVID-19 affects certain neurologic functions uh, more than others viruses. Uh, so for instance, smell and taste are affected from COVID-19. So we know COVID affects the brain in some ways and clotting. So that's why we're seeing more and more um, literature about how COVID is uh, resulting in uh, stroke. We're also seeing the effects indirectly of COVID-19 on patient behavior, people and their lives, how they are responding to a pandemic. The first thing that we've noticed is that people are less likely to come into the hospital because they're afraid of leaving their home. And that is um, uh, one of the central problems that this project is trying to tackle. So we need to overcome that barrier. That's a new barrier to coming to the hospital to get stroke care. And there's a second indirect effect. We know that people are hurting right now. We know people have lost their jobs. They are under stress. They may have be financially strained. And so they may not have access to medical care or medications, et cetera. So their health is not as good as it was before this. So those are all the things we know currently about COVID-19 and stroke. It is obviously gonna change as we learn more. We may have more treatments that we can offer patients uh, who come in with COVID-19 that results in stroke. You know, and it's interesting you touched on that, that sense of community and those, I would say, underserved communities. But I know, and, and I am in Houston, and I know that you're in the Chicagoland area, but I don't think this is an isolated event. There's a lot of community hospitals that are closing because of the effects of COVID and the financial piece, and they just can't sustain. Do you see that? as an upcoming barrier? And are you seeing that in your community as I'm seeing that in my Houston area? Uh, unfortunately, it's true um, that we have seen um, hospitals uh, uh, go towards closure. Uh, we had one locally in Chicago. Uh, so that is the reality. Um, healthcare systems are hurting because of course, um, healthcare is a business 
and in this country at least. And because of that, we have uh, hospitals that can't sustain that um, financial um, performance they need to be able to employ people. Um, and that is um, another factor. So you're taking a situation that's bad and made it that much worse. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think this is why Too Serious is so important because at the end of the day, people, whether it's COVID-19 or the next pandemic, people are still going to have strokes. There's strokes that are still happening, but hopefully through the stroke promoters and the messaging, like people will hear it from their community members and know exactly what to do. So I kind of want to shift a little bit and go into a little bit more detail. Could you describe for us, for our listeners that are tuning in, that they can share with their family members and community, you know, what are the most at-risk at populations for stroke? And then the second piece to this is what types of advice could, you, could we share with them on how they should respond? So I can, I can share some uh, background on stroke risk factors and who's at risk stroke. So we know a lot about um, stroke from many, many, many uh, years of studying it. We know that uh, people who are older, uh, people who are, um, uh, have certain risk factors, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, and diabetes, for instance, or smokers have higher risk. But we also know that some people have high risk uh, because of who they are, uh, because they are um, African-American or they're Hispanic, or um, they're Asian. So we uh, know that there are some things that uh, are uh, inherent uh, to a person that increases their risk, who they are, their genes, uh, who, uh, where they come from, while other things are things that you acquire in life, like high blood pressure potentially, or um, diabetes. Uh, but even some of those are more common in some groups than others. So all of those things uh, raise your risk of having a stroke in the first place. Uh, and then once you are at risk of stroke, um, you know, you are then uh, prone to stroke by certain other uh, triggers. And those triggers might be um, stopping medicines. Um, if you're taking medicines for certain uh, conditions like high blood pressure, so if you stop it right, right, you know, uh, immediately, uh, that will have an effect uh, that could cause a stroke. Uh, and then we now think that you know infections, such as COVID-19, could trigger a stroke by creating inflammation and clotting in somebody who's already at risk. So those are some of the general um, uh, themes that we know about who's at risk and and uh, why a stroke happens. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I know what I, I've known several people close to me that have gotten COVID-19, some um, because of the, I would say, virus process that they actually suffered a stroke while in the hospital, you know, fighting during uh, COVID-19. But I'm thinking about those people that are in the community. So we know we talked about those that are at high risk. And so, what advice could you give them? How should they respond to if they think they're having a stroke? What, what are some tips you, that they can do? Well, I mean, I, I think um, the, the things that I often tell people is to prevent a stroke. First of all, you have to uh, take care of your health. That means, you know, uh, doing some things that are um, important to reduce your risk 
like walking regularly, exercising if you can, uh, eating healthy, keeping your weight under control. And then if you are on medications, taking your medicines uh, as your doctor prescribes. And if you're really um, uh, able to, uh, also checking in with your doctor or your, um, uh, um, your, your clinical uh, uh, provider to look at how is my blood pressure? How is my weight? Um, how is my sugar? Uh, so that you know where you are so you can really be in charge of your own health. And then when you're having a stroke, so then when you um, have symptoms of a stroke, we know that time is brain. We know that you can't wait. Uh, even a minute is too long. So you have to uh, call 911 is the preferred approach. Then an ambulance, a medical professional, professional can come and uh, assess you and take you to a hospital um, appropriately, hopefully to the a level of hospital that can take care of you, like a, a stroke center. Um, and then, you know, we also know that they can do life-sustaining things if you are uh, in, in duress. Uh, and that means, you know, potentially um, uh, saving your life uh, from a stroke. So all of those things are really important, um, both preventing a stroke and then if the stroke is happening, acting right away. Recognizing the symptoms is really key as well. So there's you know, certain signs and symptoms that we say are hard um, uh, 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 symptoms for stroke. They're stroke until proven otherwise. Uh, those might be a face droop on one side, an arm that's limp on one side, or trouble getting words out or speaking. And those three things, F-A-S-T, F-A-S, FAST, and the T for time make up the acronym FAST, which is what we usually teach people to remember of the signs of stroke and the importance of time. A personal from my own family, you know, I, my mom suffered a stroke and she, because we didn't have, I would say the information and the tools, her, her brain has been drastically ravaged and now she is disabled. Um, so when you say that time, you know, I can't stress people enough. That old saying, better safe than sorry, I think rings clear here. I would much rather you call and say, hey, I think I'm having a stroke and get some medical attention. And if you're not having a stroke, then that's fine. But what if you are? Time is of the essence. And so I think that is really important, you know, that we get that message out to community to really don't waste time. Don't that is absolutely true. So I, I kind of want to, as we're getting to the end of our podcast, I really want you to talk about, you know, what did we learn from the first serious research? And then what do you think we hope to see in this next phase of Too Serious? Yeah, so Serious One was a very important sort of proof of concept. What it proved was that you could work with community leaders that community leaders uh, and uh, people who we trained on stroke uh, um, information, uh, both uh, about what causes a stroke and some of the challenges in their own community, these people were called stroke promoters, uh, that you could enable those champions and promoters to deliver messaging to the community directly, and it can have an effect on um, people's behavior. And what we looked at was, did people call 911 more? 
for suspected stroke or confirmed stroke. And while we didn't see a directional effect on confirmed stroke, we saw that people who lived in the areas where our champions, our promoters were out there um, educating their neighbors and um, constituents, what we found was those places saw the biggest rise in 911 calls for suspected stroke. And so we think that's a proof of concept that delivering messages in the way that the community wants to and needs to hear it by people who are trusted by that community can have an effect on uh, their behavior when they see signs of a stroke. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so, you know, as we're continuing into Too Serious, I know we're having to go all virtual. The hope is to sustain this work and, and hopefully I can't wait to see, you know, the outcomes of our, um, I would say virtual engagement. And, and for me, I was, we, I've been talking to the stroke promoters and our CAB members and several of them was like, you know, this is going to spread. It's not just going to be, you know, Chicago community based because the power of social media, it can touch all over the world. So I can't wait to see, you know, phase too serious and where it's going to take us. Well, too serious is even more important than serious. Serious, again, was a proof of concept in a very small area of the south side of Chicago. This has the potential not only to um, deal with the effects of COVID-19, which is a new challenge, uh, but amplify the approach that we took in serious one. And that means what you said is, you know, absolutely correct, which is that this has the potential to spread like wildfire. It really could spread very quickly using social media and our, you know, large community of activists. So I'm, I'm very optimistic that this is going to be successful, not only to deal with COVID, but to actually spread the word about uh, stroke in general and the barriers to stroke care. And I really appreciate your expertise and your commitment to this work, not only on a professional level, but a personal level from a family, you know, being a family that's been grossly affected by stroke. So I, I thank you for that. So any last, I would say, parting words or tidbits or something you want to add before we close? I, I think I want to just emphasize that, you know, stroke affects so many people in a personal way. Um, it ravages uh, people's uh, uh, communities. Uh, a person who's disabled from a stroke affects not just that one person, but their family, their neighbors, their community, their employer, potentially. They might be not, not able to work. So you have so many effects. The ripple effect of stroke is so deep and so wide that I think, you know, we are uh, tackling an issue that has you know, sort of long-reaching implications. Again, guys, you know, we want you to take the PAC to act fast. I would urge you to go to the website, www.2CEERIAS.com. That's 2Serious.com. And again, you know, we cannot stop and get away without thanking our wonderful partner and sponsor in this work, Dr. Natasha Washington of ATW Health Solutions. And as always, guys, be engaged. 
make certain that you go to uh, two series. So to the number two C E E R I A S dot com um, to ensure that you're following us. We are also on all the um, social media platforms. So whether it's Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, you name it. If you type in two series with the number two in front, you will locate us. So make certain that you're following our work and then spread to Desiree's point. Make certain that you are sharing that information with your friends. We can never have one too many persons um, promoting good information that drives positive outcomes. Um, And then, of course, continue to follow HW Health Solutions. And that is located at www.atwhealth.com. Follow the PPIC community online at atwhealth.com.